Welcome to Jen Cares, powered by Chosen Podcast, a podcast that brings the community to you. Each week, we will feature a guest that will help us stay in the know. Now, here's your host, Jen Cares. Well, good evening and welcome to Jen Cares, powered by Chosen Counselors. We, I am your host, Jen Cares, and the founder of Chosen Counselors, a nonprofit organization that seeks to inspire, motivate, empower, and strengthen individuals and families. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I thank you for tuning in, liking, sharing, commenting, watching again, all that jazz. Thank you so very, very much. Whew, so last week was really good. We talked about pets, and if you don't have a pet, or you do have a pet, check it out. I have to order Queen Cleo a water fountain now, um, but I'm hoping that anybody that did watch was able to learn something new. Um, again, you may not have a pet, may not ever get one, I don't know. But over here at Jen Cares, we're trying to cover all lanes to meet all needs of the community. So tonight, your health matters. Let me tell them myself. So I remember when I was going through the process of purchasing my home and I was supposed to be going to the doctor, but I didn't go. Um, and it's because I felt like I would be stressed, overwhelmed. And if I go, they'll tell me news that I don't want to hear. That's how I felt. However, um, because that process of purchasing a home is really overwhelming. It's stressful. One day you're up, one day you're down. It's a lot. Um, but once the process was over, I made my appointment. I explained to my doctor why I didn't want to come. And she said, I understand, but it's still good to come and get checked even in those moments. Huh. I'm doing better. So we've had an um, uh, episode where we talked about the benefits that we get from our job. So that medical coverage, that vision coverage, that dental coverage. And sometimes we need to see a specialist because we want to be able to invest in ourselves. Talking about investing in ourselves, do y'all know? We got a day of empowerment coming up on Saturday, May 15th. I have a ticket available tonight, so be sure to listen out for the key phrase that Dr. Charles will drop. So, yep, we're going to talk about that. Invest in yourself, okay? So another reason that I wanted to bring this topic to us, Your Health Matters, is because we enjoy Google, WebMD, and Home Remedies. And I just want to encourage us to find a balance, even in seeking out those sources, that sometimes we need to seek the professionals, to get that real medical attention by somebody that really knows what's going on. Because WebMD and Google only can stay in one lane. A doctor, they could put pieces together that you didn't even think was supposed to go together and find out what's really going on for you. Ah, I was listening to somebody um, 
at, at a church service uh, shared a little while ago how God blocked something before it got worse. Essentially, his mom had got diagnosed with COVID and double pneumonia, but from her going to the doctor, she was also find out about she was also able to find out about another health ailment that was going on. Had she not went because she started feeling the effects of those other conditions, she wouldn't have known about the other thing. So sometimes we go for one thing and find out we got other things going on. And I know that could be overwhelming. I know that could be frustrating. But guess what? Your health matters. Your life matters. And tonight, we're going to talk about it. Whew. So I tuned in to hear Dr. Farmer a little while ago. He was talking about COVID on a podcast, The Kickback with Joe B. Heard. Y'all check him out. He has a good podcast. I love it. Um, he's on Instagram. Check him out. So Dr. Farmer is educating the community about COVID. And I was like, Joe, how can I get him? Please tell me information. And I uh, got into the DMs to say, hey, want to come talk to me? What can you talk about? And he gave me a couple of ideas. Um, so we're going to have him back with his wife, Dr. Dolores. But tonight, I wanted him to talk about our health and how it matters. I want us to talk about some men's health and how it matters. Um, and just, again, all of that, of what we need to know, that it does matter. So I'm grateful to him being able to join us on tonight. I harassed him a little bit just to make sure <laughs> things would go well. And again, I am truly, truly grateful for his patience, for his willingness to come on. So help me introduce and welcome Dr. Charles Farmer, who's going to share with us about Your Health Matters. Woo! Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. And oh my God, I was just so blown away by your uh, introductions um, you know, just the, the intro and the flashing here. And I was like, oh my God, this is great. <laughs> I'm flashing you a little bit over here. You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So, um, how are you doing though? I'm doing all right. You know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm doing all right. And long as I'm, long as I'm here, you know, I'm able to, uh, you know, go to work, do my thing, be here for my family. I'm, I'm happy. Good to hear. Good to hear. Okay. So over here at Jen Cares, we start with the quote of the day. And today's quote for the day is, take care of your body. It's the only place you have to live. Again, take care of your body. It's the only place you have to live. Dr. Charles, what's your thoughts on that quote? I think that's a good quote, you know, because, you know, you really only get, you get one life to live, right? So I think, mm -hmm. you know, I think it stresses the importance of, you know, making each day count and doing mm -hmm. what we can to stay here, you know, as long as possible. And that means taking care of not only just our physical health, but also our mental health uh, as well. So I think that quote, um, uh, you know, kind of hits the, the nail on the head for what we, you know, what we need to do, you know, be doing. I love it. And I love that you threw out there mental health because I am all about normalizing mental health because it is so very, very important as well as our medical health as well, health as well. So chosen friends, as always, I have prepared some questions to guide tonight's topic. But if you have any questions or any comments, be sure to comment below because Dr. Charles, again, we have an expert here. Medical is not my field. I'm not about that life. Needles. Mm -mm. But Dr. Farmer, he does that. That's what he went to school for. So if you have any questions, type them down below. So Dr. Charles, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So um, I am a emergency medicine uh, physician. So mm -hmm. that basically means that I take care of patients um, that come through the emergency department. And so as you probably could imagine, or if you've seen maybe even on TV, or fortunately, if you had the experience, we'd see any and everything that comes to the door through something as simple as I stub my toe through um, even gunshot wounds, stab wounds, heart attacks, strokes, all, all the things you could possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. And 
And, you know, I work in a community where I work uh, in, you know, I work in a community where I see a lot of underserved um, patients. So it's mostly minority patients, people who are immigrants um, that speak a variety of different languages. And, you know, that's kind of the community um, that I enjoy working with. And for me, I guess to give you guys a little bit of information, my educational background. Um, so I uh, received my bachelor's in biology from Seton Hall University. Um, from there, I went to medical school um, at Johns Hopkins. Um, and then I completed my residency training. So that's when you actually learn how to become an emergency medicine doctor. So I completed that at um, NYU. And I completed that um, in uh, uh, mi- uh, June of 2020. What a, what a great way to end my training. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, so now I'm in my uh, first year as an attending physician. That basically means you're the supervisor of the emergency department. Very nice. Yes, I have watched Grey's Anatomy. Um, that's my show, that's, too. Okay, okay. Yes. So in my head, I watched The Resident as well. Do you watch The Resident? I've caught a couple episodes. Yeah, I've caught a couple episodes of The Resident, um, The Good Doctor. I've watched a couple episodes okay. as well. All, and all of them are like really good shows. Are they really close to what y'all really do? You know, it's funny. I get that a lot. And, you know, the one that I've heard is the most, which I, you know, I haven't watched it. I've heard Scrubs is the closest. Okay. Um, but I mean, I will say, I feel like there definitely are elements of like Grey's Anatomy. And I probably say House, because I do, I do like House, because it's funny. Okay. But uh, there definitely are some elements that um, can be found, especially during residency training, for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. I love Scrubs. I love Scrubs as well. Yeah. Um, so that's really good. So, why did you work to become a doctor? Was that what you always wanted to do? Yeah, so, you know, I think I really got into the thought of becoming a doctor uh, probably around like the eighth grade, which mm-hmm. um, is um, sometimes some, some, some people just kind of know what they're calling. A lot of people don't really develop that thought until later on in life. But for mm-hmm. me, I always enjoyed science because I, I was always a kid that like loved to see like how things worked. And I thought it was so interesting that like, um, there's so many things out there we still don't even know. We're still trying to learn. And I wanted to have a career where not only I was going to be invested in science, but also I was going to have the opportunity to use that knowledge to help people. And, you know, being a physician really allows you to combine both of those things. And, you know, I think one of the things that really solidified it to me, because, like, I always wanted to, and I think everyone kind of has this um, thought process when looking for a job is that like you want a job that like challenges you that gives you something exciting to do like every single day for me especially with emergency medicine like I I never have the same day over like there's never a boring day at work so I think that's kind of what um you know drove me to become a physician awesome so thank you again because that's not my speed um my sister she works at the Red Cross so she's giving people needles all day I can't do that here um I'm gonna stay in my lane (laughs) <laughs> um, so with the emergency room, it's amazing that there's something new every day. Did you always want to work in an emergency room? Did you have like a choice of where you wanted to be stationed at? Yeah, so that's a um, so that's a good question. Um, so throughout medical school, when I initially came in, I was interested in emergency medicine. And part of that was because I had a really good opportunity when I was an undergrad to actually shadow um, an ER doctor. And once I shadowed for like a couple of hours, like I was totally sold. But I still try to go in with an open mind. And during your training in medical school, you go through different like rotations and different specialties. So like you rotate in like pediatrics, internal medicine, and things like that. So I was a little interested in internal medicine. I like some things about pediatrics, but 
the beauty of emergency medicine is you really get to combine like pretty much like everything of all the other specialties, right? Mm -hmm. So like I get to do like procedures. So if you like procedure, if you like procedures and you're interested in like surgery, I kind of get to do a little bit of that at work. Um, I do a little things with, um, you know, inter I, I do see a lot of women that come in with like GYN complaints. So if that's something interested in then I do a little bit of that. I see kids um, as well as adults. I get a little bit of pediatrics. So I kind of get a little bit of everything. Okay. So with the ER question, who do you yeah. see the most of males or females? Ooh, that's a good question. Oh, I don't know. I pro I, if I would guess, I probably would say females because just in general, um, men don't really like coming to the doctor. <laughs> what? Yeah, no. <laughs> so I, I guess I probably would say females if I had to say, yeah. Okay. So yeah. that's what I was trying to get at. So I want to see yeah. if males are really coming. And emergency yeah. room is where something's really going on. So I really right. need to be clean today. Right, right. All right. Okay. So females are going, but the males aren't. Okay, we got to work on yeah. that, brothers. Yeah. <laughs> um, so with emergency room being like, hey, this is where I want to be. What was like your second choice? Ooh, oh, I probably would say it was probably a tie between pediatrics and internal medicine. So when I say internal medicine, for those who may not be familiar with the term, it's basically um, they're basically your primary care doctor, right? So the regular doctor that you or that maybe your parents see, that, that's mm -hmm. what they call an internist. So um, I was probably between those two. Okay, okay. Yes. Yeah. I, I didn't know. Thank you for educating me on internal doctor. Um, yeah. I definitely gave my doctor a whole full interview without her knowing it before I selected her to be my doctor. <laughs> I just wanted to know that she was capable of really handling sure. somebody like me that sure. didn't know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's important. That's important. Yeah, yeah. I think it's important because you should, you know, you should be comfortable um, with your position. And, and even myself and my wife, we do the same thing with like choosing our positions as well. Mm -hmm. Like I'll ask other colleagues, like, hey, did you hear about this person? Like, what do you think about that person? So no, no, I don't fault you for that. <laughs> so another question, since you are a doctor, um, when you yeah. go to the doctor, do you hold them at a different standard? Are you like watching them tip for tech to see if they're doing what they should be doing? Or do they treat you any different? You know what's funny is that like I actually try to make a conscious effort not to tell them that I'm a doctor because okay. I just want to see how um, how I'm treated. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but as we kind of become more comfortable and like, especially when they're kind of explaining things to me, you know, I can say, you know, I kind of get that. Um, I, I will eventually tell them. Uh, but for the most part, I really don't tell them um, in the beginning. But I, I definitely, there it definitely is a change for sure mm -hmm. when um, uh, you acknowledge yourself as a physician. And we actually, um, when I was in my, maybe it was my first week or so of being a resident as an intern, they actually did this exercise, which I thought was actually profound. So what they did was we pretended to be patients and, um, actually like went into the emergency department. So like no one, only like only a couple handful of people knew because mm -hmm. they wanted us to real to realize what it was like to be a patient because they said from now basically till forever, you will always be treated as a VIP mm -hmm. when you get medical care. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting to see how, you know, especially being like an emergency department, just like how it feels to be like so vulnerable, like to be in like a crowded area with like everyone listening to your patient information mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And, you know, you sitting there wondering, like, are they believing me? Like, are they taking what I'm saying seriously? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, but there definitely is a change uh, for sure once you do acknowledge yourself as a physician. Oh, I like that they had y'all go in as patients. Yeah. What did yeah. you learn from that experience other than just hearing things like, does it change now what you do? 
Um, definitely, it makes me a little more uh, conscientious of like what I'm saying with the patient and realizing who may be around because you know, especially in the Maurice department, we do address a lot of like um, you know private things. Like you know, we deal with people who um, you know have HIV, and that's a very oh. sensitive thing. You know, okay. we deal with patients. Um, you know, who are transgender. And, you know, that's definitely, you know, a group of people that we need to do a better job of making feel comfortable. Because, mm -hmm. you know, quite, quite sometimes they're not really as open to being able to, you know, explain things. And we need to know some of those things, right? right, right. So it makes me, you know, a lot more conscientious about like, you know, the things that I say and also being, a being aware of like who's around me. I love it. I like it. Yeah. It's showing that um, you're always learning and we all yeah. are always learning how to right. support so all populations. Pretty cool. Yeah. So because men don't come as often, what are some of the top concerns that men should be aware of as it relates to their health? Oh, boy. <laughs> quite, a, <laughs> quite a few. Well, quite a few things. Right. So um, probably, you know, one of the most important things is and this is not even just for men. This is for women in general is cardiovascular oh. disease. And, you know, like one in three uh, people are usually affected by that. And when I say cardiovascular disease, so that's anything that really affects like your heart or like your blood vessels. And that could be anything from like high blood pressure, stroke, heart attack. Uh, and it's, it's like one of the main causes of like death. Um, so, you know, that's some. And the thing about it is there's things that you can do in your life that can help prevent that. Right. So it's actually preventable, you know, if there's certain steps that are taken. But you know, it's definitely something that you have to, you know, consistently see your doctor about and manage. Um, probably the other things that do come up, um, certainly like lung disease, especially um, if you're a smoker. Um, and then I guess in terms of the cancers, I feel like that's what a lot of people have a questions on in terms of like health screening and such. Mm -hmm. So prostate cancer and colon cancer, probably the ones I hear the most about. Um, mm -hmm. And I think we're going to get into a little bit about the screening issues, but uh, um, or things that you should look for. But I'd probably say those are kind of like the main things that I see affect men. And then just as a nature of like the area that I work in is definitely um, uh, drug use as well, especially especially opioids. Um, that's definitely something to see. Again, not something that not and again not saying that women don't have these have it either because I, I see them all, all as well. But definitely with men um, dealing with drug use. Okay. Yeah. Well, the flip side is the females and the women. What are some of the top challenges with some of those that you've already mentioned that the men and females go through? Yeah, I mean, along with a lot of the same things, I mean, definitely cardiovascular uh, disease as well. Um, you know, with women, at least in regards to like the cancers, you know, you definitely have to um, um, get or talk to your primary care doctor about screening for breast cancer, mm -hmm. screening for like cervical cancer, uh, which mm -hmm. probably more of like your GYN. Um, and, but those are kind of like, I'd say like the main things that, um, I think, you know, should be addressed when you're talking to your primary care doctor or gynecologist. Got it. So I, I see some memes sometimes and they're saying that men died, um, before women. Is that right. true? Well, you know, it's, you know, it's funny. I, cause I, I, when I, um, when I heard this question, I was, I was looking up, there's like so many different reasons why this is happening. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a bunch of different factors. I, I think some of the main factors that I found is number one, men um, participating in a lot of riskier behaviors, yeah. um, you know, compared to women. So like being involved in like violent situations, um, being involved in, you know, jobs that are, you know, high risk, mm -hmm. uh, especially uh, construction type jobs. I can't even tell you how many like 
injuries I see from like construction workers like on a daily oh. basis. Like a lot of them are like using like fingers and hands. It's, it's wow. insane. Um, but yeah, so a lot of that, um, definitely, like I said, I mentioned like with drug abuse um, and like alcohol use as well, because mm-hmm. definitely, you know, developing alcohol disorder puts you at risk for a whole bunch of different things too. Um, and then also, like we said, like, uh, and not even just the physical health, but even just the mental health as well, because men, um, although uh, women are more likely to actually like attempt suicide, men are more likely to actually complete suicide. Mm-hmm. And uh, and also with men is that like, like I mentioned before, you know, not even talking about going to see a primary care doctor is that you don't really see a lot of men, especially in the African-American community, address mm-hmm. their mental health or seek care when they really need to. So I think all of those things, you know, certainly lead to men uh, dying at a younger age compared to women. Got it. All right. Good to hear. Good to hear. So women keep on not doing too much of that risky stuff and you'll live a little longer. Exactly. But still get your health check because something else could be going on. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so with that, why question for like the construction workers that's coming in, a thought that came to mind is maybe some people don't come to the emergency room or um, a doctor because they don't have insurance. Are there programs within hospitals to help them out to be able to be seen whether or not they have insurance or not? Absolutely. So that's a good question um, that you asked. So um, there are basically, we have, uh, there are laws in place that any patient that comes to the emergency department, the law is called EMTALA, um, but any patient that comes to the emergency department is entitled to a health screening by a physician, no matter your ability to pay or not. And also, if you have like something that's life threatening or dangerous, again, we have to treat you no matter what your you know insurance status, immigrant status, it doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, but but that being said, yes, there definitely are uh, like I see a bunch of patients who don't have insurance, and that's certainly a concern that they bring up. Um, but like, like you had mentioned, there definitely are programs, you know, at least at our hospital, we have like charity care, um, mm-hmm. that helps like with, um, assisting people with their, uh, their medical bills, but, you know, money should never be, you know, a reason for you to not, you know, get checked out or get seen by, you know, a provider. Um, because the last thing, especially for things that, you know, are preventable, because the last thing you want to do is to put things off and put things off and put things off. And then now it's actually like a dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. And now you're coming to see me in the emergency department, which I prefer you not to, <laughs> you, know? you know? So, um, but the best thing you could do, yeah, is like look into those types of programs and, you know, try to establish care with a primary care doctor so that you can prevent, um, you know, finding a bigger issue. Got it. understand. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, the programs, because even those that have health insurance, um, sometimes, um, yeah services are outside of what your insurance is. So their payment plans. Right. Are Actually came across an article not too long ago that also said how you can get things reduced or a cheaper version of things that come on your hospital bill. Look into your options is all I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, in have conversations with your physician about your financial concerns as well. Um, you know, we also have, um, and I give this out, we also have prescription cards that take off like 80% uh, the medical uh, the, uh, the medications cost. So if we prescribe someone like antibiotics, um, they can take 80% off of it. And um, where I used to work at um, in Bellevue Hospital in New York City, which is a public hospital, um, the pharmacy that we had there, if you didn't have insurance, you could actually pick up your medication for free. So there are there are ways, you know, that you can still get treated even though, you know, even if you don't have insurance. Very nice. Good to know. Good to know. We learned it in a day, chosen friends. So <laughs> In the veins of that, you say it's good to go to a doctor so that you don't have to necessarily go to the emergency room for, as your first resort and things of that sort. So why right. do I need a primary doctor? Good question. So 
you need a primary care doctor for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, you want to have someone that you can establish like a relationship with, right? Someone that you feel comfortable with, someone that you can communicate, you know, any problems or any concerns that you have. Uh, because I think, you know, um, and just kind of going back to talk a little about emergency department is that I think sometimes people like the ease in the emergency department, right? Because, you know, you can come in and, you know, you get seen. I mean, you might wait a couple hours, but yeah. you know, you're going to get seen by somebody as opposed to primary care doctor, you know, I think the biggest concern is that, okay, I got to make an appointment and I might not be able to get an appointment for like a couple of weeks and stuff. But, you know, again, there is a benefit because um, they're the ones that are going to help manage, you know, um, any chronic issues that you may have. And then also do screening to be able to catch, um, you know, certain issues as well. So that's why it's really important to have, you know, a, um, you know, a primary care doctor, someone that you can go to on a consistent basis. Uh, because I'll give you an example, probably, one of the common things I will see someone come into the emergency department with is my blood pressure is high, mm. right? And and all honestly, I'm, most of those patients really don't have any symptoms. Like their blood pressure is high, but they otherwise feeling fine, right? Mm. And they want or expect you to give them a medication that's going to suddenly drop their blood pressure. Mm. Now, that's actually not really a good thing. Dropping your blood pressure really fast is actually not good for your body. And also, any medication I give you is not going to really last that long anyway. Because your blood pressure should be kind of brought down like in a, a gradual kind of state, not really like a super fast one. But that being said, that's why it's important to have a primary care doctor because someone who's going to follow you, someone who's going to say, hey, I want you to be on this medication and I want you to come back to me in two weeks and check. I'm going to check your blood pressure again and make sure it's good. You know, someone who's going to continuously try to follow you and make adjustments as needed. I love that. It made me think of um, a barber. So um, I go and get my hair cut. And yeah. the guy that I go to, I can sit in the chair. He knows what to do. I don't have to ask any questions. Right. <laughs> I went to another person because he wasn't at the shop that day. I had to yeah. ask so many questions. They, I don't know those things. I didn't know the terminologies. And I was getting yeah. frustrated. But I needed my hair cut, you know. Um, but that's the same thing with a doctor. When you have yeah. that doctor that knows you, you can sit in the chair, they know everything. You don't have to repeat things because they remember. Well, right. they have me in the files where they can see anything that's there. But you go to somebody you new, know, it's like you starting all over again. You say, you want me to cut what? Do what? <laughs> Design what? <laughs> and it can be frustrating. So that's like a good analogy of why it's good to have that one consistent person. I like that. I'm going to steal that from you. I love that. Because every black man through. knows they uh, <laughs> they have the barber that they go to and that someone else will mess up their hairline. So Somebody else like will it. mess up their hairline. So you yes. want to go to that person that you know is good. Um, so another thing with that, um, is there a difference between, uh, is there a difference with primary doctors? So I know I'm, I'm thinking the answer is yes. So they have like specialized doctors and things like that. So can my primary doctor do everything top to bottom? Yeah, so um, that's a good question. So your primary care doctor is, in most cases, either going to be an internal medicine doctor, so someone that did their training in internal medicine, mm -hmm. or family medicine. Okay. Um, so they're so family medicine training is slightly different. Like they can see like pretty much like any ages. Like they'll see like from birth to like you know you're old. Mm -hmm. um, and then you may have some <laughs> um, internal medicine doctors who specialize um, in dealing with like the older populations, so, like they're geriatric um mm. doctors um but if you're talking about like further specialists like let's say you need a heart doctor like a cardiologist or you need like a mm. gi doctor so um they are they are trained in internal medicine but they took it a step further and did some further additional training in their particular field um and you know that's why they're able to be cardiologists and like gi doctors 
So it's yeah. a little little bit of a difference. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's a little difference. Um, yeah. You talked about how there's some things that we could do to help us stay on the right path when it comes to health concerns with like yeah. the blood pressure. What are some yeah. of those things that we could do? Um, so, I mean, there's a couple things that you can do, I think, that are good overall for your health, right? So, obviously, going to see your doctor regularly. Um, uh, I think we don't really emphasize the importance of getting uh, sleep. And mm-hmm. I think with just everyone's, like, super busy schedules, uh, between social media and all these things, um, is that we don't really take into account how much sleep actually, you know, is important. And I think, I think also, you know, and I, I think, I, I know I was guilty of it in college, is that, like, we kind of bank on the fact that, like, you know, we might have horrible sleeping habits during the week, and then we think that we'll just sleep in on the weekends, and then we'll be good to go. And that's not really the case. Like, it actually takes, like, several days to like get back to like a normal like sleeping pattern yeah. so I, I think i think trying to get a good night's sleep is important i think um eating uh healthy as possible and being um uh, being aware of what we put into our bodies mm-hmm. uh i think also getting daily uh exercise or at least as much as you can uh, mm-hmm. even something as simple as like taking you know taking a walk around the block um you know i think can do uh you know wonders for your body and then I think uh, taking, um, realizing the importance of like your mental health as well. Um, yeah, I think we're, again, we're all guilty of, you know, um, between our jobs, between spending time with friends and family and all these stressors and stuff that come with, you know, just life in general is that I think we can, it's hard to sometimes just take time for ourselves. And I think, you know, it's important that you identify at least something that at least gives us a little bit of break and gives us like some peace of mind. Uh, and also seeking help when you need it too. Mm. Oh, good things. I gotta figure out what that sleep one is. Sometimes I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we all fall victim to it either. We're not eating yeah. right one day, we're not getting out to get some of that vitamin right. D and things of that sort. I was like, I'm gonna go walk, and then it was like storming, not today. But it's things right. we can do in the house to keep ourselves moving and things of that sort. Exactly. Might have been doing the steps a couple of times. I don't know. Um, exactly. exactly. But it's those little things that do add up to do something um to help you to stay active and seeking help when it is right. needed. So I'll give you a tip with the sleep because um, my um, my uncle, he's a uh, he's a family medicine doctor, but he actually specializes in like sleep. Oh, it's all so, in the family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so he um, he actually wrote a book about sleep. And so one of the things that he always, because he always says it to me too, is that like, number one is to try to go to bed when you're actually like tired. Mm-hmm. So when you start like yawning, like that's kind of your body saying like, it's time to take it down. And a lot of people try to fight that, right? Um, and then the exactly. And then the other thing he said is, uh, um, and I, I read it other places too, is that like try to limit how much light is around you, um, mm-hmm. at least about an hour or so before you go to sleep. So that means shutting the phone off, no Instagram or anything like that. Shut the TV off. You can like have a little bit of like dim light if you like choose to read or something like that. But because the thing about it is that like when we're on our phones and stuff, the light is telling our brain like, wake up, wake up. We need to stay up right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then when you're ready to go to sleep, the brain's like, "Well, why are we going to sleep? I thought we need to be up right now." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's funny. Um, I have actually uh, found the um, the thing to sabotage that, where I dim my light on my phone. Yeah, I dim my light on things, so then it looks like it is dumb, it is quiet, but I'm still paying attention to what's going on. 
Still okay. not yet. You got to figure yeah. out angles. Um, yeah. And then when I was really struggling, uh, struggling one time, I put on like um, some sleep music or things of that sort of nighttime story because it's so nice and yeah. soothing. Tell me because like Jennifer, you're going to find something else to do. Put something on, <laughs> shut down. You got to shut down. Yes. <laughs> That's good to know. All right. So I need to turn stuff off. I'm going to do that today because I feel like I'm tired. <laughs> um, so uh, we talked about the healthier path. So with family history, so right. um, grandmama and daddy and them had X, Y, and Z. What's the importance of family history? If they had it, why should I know? I mean, family history is very important because, you know, so many different medical conditions um, you know, have shown some evidence of being like hereditary. And especially, you know, when we talk about like the different screening uh, mm-hmm. tests that can be done, like for example, for like breast cancer, for like prostate cancer, for colorectal cancer, um, the age where you may be recommended to be screened may be different if you have a family history. If you have a family history, you may be recommended to get it actually earlier than someone who doesn't have it in their family. Um, so all of that is actually like, you know, really important. And then also, even for like, um, you know, various cardiovascular issues, right? So if you have a family history of like someone dying from like a heart attack in their like 30s or 40s, like that's something that you should be aware of and your primary care doctor should be aware of because that maybe you may also have it in your heart too. Um, So yeah, family history is very important. Got it, got it. So sometimes I'm, um, because it's in the history, I I may need to get tested prior to when right. that person was diagnosed with it and things of that sort. Exactly. Okay. Um, what, and I guess based on what the history is, lets me know what exams I should explore. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Okay. Oh, got it. Got it. So when speaking of special tests, we talked about, well, I shared about an intro about how WebMD and Google can really help diagnose ourselves. Right. Um, what, is it good to look at WebMD and Google? You know, it's funny. Like I, um, when I first started out as like a physician, oh my god, it used to frustrate me so much. But I feel like I got, um, as I, you know, progressed through my training and even now, like I appreciate that um, people do take the time to like look at their symptoms because I think it shows that they're taking control of their own health and they want to genuinely know like what's wrong with them. So mm-hmm. you know, I do encourage that if you know if you are concerned or you're sick or something like that, to like. I think it's okay to look, you know, but write down what your questions or concerns are and then bring it to a physician and, and have the physician kind of explain why, yes, you know what, maybe this is something that we should do or nah, I don't think you really have this. So yeah. I, I think I think, it, I think it's important, you know, definitely to look up some, some information. I don't think you should let it, you know, freak you out too much, but just write down your questions and then bring it to a, you know, provider. So I'm hoping that one of my friends is not watching this because I have a friend that really goes on here and diagnoses herself and say, I'm not the <laughs> Right. Um, so he definitely gave boundaries with that. Um, yeah. That's not the NLB. All it's good to find out. So right. you need the same thing, but it doesn't yeah. mean that is what it is spot on. Exactly. Exactly. Because they'll put like some of the most rare things that like I've never even seen before. <laughs> so, you know. I, I get I get it. It makes sense, but um, you know, try to write down your questions and you know get that answered first. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, so when I am going to the doctor and when I am going to the specialist, mm-hmm. I want us to highlight the importance of should what should I be asking? So like, you're going to give me some results when I go even to the emergency room. You're going to tell mm-hmm. me, bam, bam, bam. These are the next things I have to do. You're going to tell me I need right. to follow my primary doctor. Um, yes. 
What other questions should I ask during that time? Hmm. So if you're if you're just going to a regular doctor, you're going to the ER or, or just ER any- regular doctor. Should I ask questions? Is my question. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely you should ask questions. Um, you know, may I would say to make sure you understand if, if they have reached a diagnosis, make sure you um, are able to understand what the diagnosis actually is. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, if for whatever reason, because especially even in the ER, we don't always get to the answer, but make sure you have an understanding of what they have ruled out. So that's something that you can go back and tell your doctor or uh, you should understand like, okay, I came in with chest pain, right? They mm-hmm. checked me to make sure I didn't have a heart attack. They said I didn't mm-hmm. have it. Okay, cool. They did an x-ray and made sure I didn't have pneumonia. Okay, I don't have pneumonia. Cool. You know, mm-hmm. so, and, and you know, ask like, you know, them to kind of break down like, you know, some of the tests and imaging and such because, you know, you, you really should have a good understanding of like, you know, your own healthcare um, and what's being done to you. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I'll give you, I'll give you a quick story. Uh, when I was, um, when I was in med school, I did a rotation with this um, surgeon. He was like, um, very, very well-known surgeon at like Hopkins. Like he, I think he invented some procedure, but mm-hmm. I was in a clinic with him one day and he, he told me that like, so every patient that he came, that came in, he would ask them, what surgery did I do on you? What surgery did I do on you? And some of them got it, some of them didn't. He said, the reason I ask you this is because one day I'm not going to be here and you should be able to explain exactly what procedures were done to you um, so that if you're in the middle of the woods or something like that can happen. Like you should be able to explain it. So I, you know, I definitely encourage everyone, write down your questions and make sure that you understand it. And even if, if we explain it one time and you don't get it, ask us again. Ask mm-hmm. us to break it down like another way. Like you shouldn't li- never leave a physician's care and not have a clue like what's going on with your health care. I love it. Also, a uh, slight joke, because when doctors write, um, their penmanship is um, <laughs> some <laughs> doctor's penmanship is a little different. So don't have yeah. them write it down. Really have them verbally yeah. say it so you understand yeah. right. what you're saying, because you're not going to understand. You know, back in the day, we had prescriptions. We take a little slip of paper to the doctor, yeah. Uh, yeah. pharmacy, and I don't know how the pharmacist always understood. Yeah. God bless them. <laughs> yeah. But again, ask those questions to know for sure what is going on. You have that time while you're with that professional that can really break it down. Um, even as Dr. Charles has been sharing, he's like, and this means blah, 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 blah. Thanks, because I don't know. That's your feel, you know. So when you know it, you'll use the terms, but making sure that I don't want to say dummy it down, but really making it where even yeah. a child will understand what it is that's going on. It's funny you mentioned the handwriting because um growing up my handwriting was terrible. And I can't even tell you how embarrassing it is because my mom is a teacher, right? So her handwriting is amazing. So it's funny, like when she would come to parent teacher conferences and like sign her name, like the teacher would be like, Oh my god, <laughs> like are you guys related? Like his hair is so bad. <laughs> like what 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 is going on? Like I don't understand what happened. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, see, don't have them write it down. You just exactly. have to tell you. That's why we moved to electronic, um, <laughs> electronic prescriptions, <laughs> so we don't <laughs> have to do that. Now. And yeah. even when you're leaving the doctor, they have it where you can get it a uh, printout, especially at the hospital right. for children and things. So they print out everything that happened, so they get right. a, a little question and answer in there as well, so fully let you know what's going on. Right. So we have a question from a chosen friend. Lisa said, "How important is it?" And obtaining a second opinion, I think I think it's very important. You know, I think that you know, I think with anything, I, and I often like, I feel like I've had experience with with patients like seeking a second opinion, especially when it comes to like either cancers mm-hmm. or any other type of medical condition. I think it is totally appropriate to 
you know, to get a second opinion. I don't think anyone should feel any type of any type of way or any type of shame or anything like that, but seeking another uh, medical professional advice because, you know, at the end of the day, and we're all human, like we all make mistakes. We're not all, we're not all perfect. Somebody may have a different perspective, uh, you know, a disease and another doctor. So I, I definitely encourage anyone to get a second opinion. Yeah, yeah, very important. Um, I had a friend, she went to the emergency room to get support. They told her to go to her primary doctor, her primary doctor and told her to go to the emergency room. We don't like the back and forth so much. I get yeah. it, I guess, because they want you to yeah. go see your primary doctor. But yeah. if your primary doctor is already aware of what's going on for you and knows that you may go to the emergency room or encourage you to go to the emergency room, mm -hmm. what's the process for that? Kind of just have an emergency room call your doctor? Yeah, so that's a good point. I think that's also where, you know, we you know, kind of struggle a little bit is that like, um, I think it falls, especially on the primary care doctor too, if, if they know exactly what emergency department they're going to, mm -hmm. and let's say if they don't make it clear enough for the patient or the patient doesn't really understand, I think mm -hmm. that's when communication is very important. And so mm -hmm. I have patients come in with like a, a note from the provider saying, I sent them in because X, Y, Z. And that's like so helpful to us, or even just calling us on the phone and say, hey, I'm sending so-and-so in because I'm concerned they're having like a heart attack. Like, mm -hmm. that's great. That gives us something to, to work on. So I definitely encourage that if, you know, for whatever reason, hopefully not, but if you ever, you know, have an experience with your primary care doctor or urgent care doctor or anything, and they're sending you, you know, ask if they can call ahead or if they can send you with some type of documentation explaining why you're going there. Very good. Very good. Yeah. So let's talk about we going to the doctor. So Recently, vaccines and shots are is really, really popular right now. So sure. let's talk about the flu shot, because that's been around a yeah. little longer. It has, How, yeah. Do I have to get the flu shot? Well, I mean, you don't have to get it. <laughs> you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> right. What are right. some benefits or drawbacks of getting a flu shot, maybe? Gotcha. I mean, overall, I would say benefits greatly outweigh any type of risk from, like, the flu vaccine. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and we've seen that from you know, various studies and just watching it like over the years that it does a good job of reducing the amount of people that not only um, get the flu, but, you know, also reducing like it's spreading as well. And the mm -hmm. biggest thing, you know, with a lot of these vaccines is the while, you know, it's not 100% perfect, there really is no vaccine ever that is ever going to be 100% perfect, mm -hmm. but it reduces the amount of people who develop like severe disease from the flu and end up in the hospital. Because okay. ultimately that's like the big thing that, is scary with the flu, with COVID, all these other like viruses that like mm -hmm. overwhelming the healthcare system. And we've had bad flu seasons. Even a couple of years ago, we had bad, a bad flu. And it makes things difficult in the hospital when it's not, we're not just dealing with like the regular stuff that comes in, but now we're dealing with, you know, a whole bunch of people coming in from the flu. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're trying to get to see everybody. Inevitably, we're going to end up missing people. Like, you know, it was just a mess. So hopefully, you know, with the flu vaccine, you know, it does help reduce those numbers. And you can see this year, because like this year was like the most people um, that got the flu vaccine. I didn't see a single case of flu all year. Now, part of that is, you know, from the social distancing and stuff as well. But yeah. um, like people like in record numbers got the flu vaccine this year. They're like, oh, that's, like, that's the last thing I need to get right now. <laughs> so, but it made a difference, right? So. Yeah. I, you know, I would encourage anyone, especially especially if you have medical problems mm. or you know you work in a career where like you're around a lot of people. Mm. Um, you know, I would definitely be it, and I'm you know I'm an advocate for it. That's funny, record numbers yeah. for the flu shot because like I don't need that or whatever yeah. else is going on. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. 
So we're going to talk about COVID next week, but I want to hit this piece of an emergency room. So some people yeah. are fearful of going to the hospital, of going right. to maybe even their doctor because of everything that's going on with COVID and things of that sort. What mm-hmm. um in the hospitals, I don't want to say that it's supposed to be the clean space, but I know they really do specialize in that, making sure it is clean because people come in, come out and things of that sort. What are yeah. some things that can help ease some worries of those that do have some health things going on, but they're hesitant because it's like, I know it's going away or it's going down or maybe it's not yeah. really going, but I need to get this checked, but I don't want to go because I might get. Gotcha. Home. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent question. Yeah. I'll give a shout out. God bless our, um, uh, our facilities folks, you know, mm-hmm. at the hospitals that have been working because they have been, you know, amazing with like, because we really couldn't function without them. Right. Um, and, you know, to answer your question, you know, it's, um, it's interesting because when the, the pandemic first started, um, and we kind of got hit with like this massive wave of like COVID, we were all sitting wondering, like, where are the stroke patients, like the, the, the you know, the heart attacks and stuff like that. And I think a lot of people were afraid and they were just kind of choosing to like get sick and die at home, which is extremely unfortunate. Right. Um, you know, cause we potentially could have done something. Um, but you know, for that being said, I think that we have learned from that experience and we've gotten a lot more comfortable with trying to keep all the patients safe, um, mm-hmm. no matter what you come to the emergency department with. So, you know, obviously everyone is in mass. Um, you know, we do try to, as much as possible, try to keep, you know, people, uh, separated, um, especially in terms of primary care, you know, that's the beauty of like doing the virtual visits that became like really popular. They were already kind of doing those initially, but mm-hmm. now even more so that became popular, especially if like you're just coming, you know, you're doing it for like, you know, maybe you need like a medication refill or anything. You know, but there's no need for you to come to the doctor just for that. Um, but you know, there are a lot of different ways that you can communicate with your, you know, doctor now comfortably. Um, and you know, I, I think if you're ever concerned, you know, I think you're well within your rights to give a phone call to the office and, you know, even something that my mom does, which is, um, uh, great, uh, is, you know, she's asked about like the COVID protocols, like what they had there, but what she'll do is like, um, you know, she'll go and sign in and then she'll just sit in her car, um, and say like, Hey, give me a call when you're ready to see me and I will get out the car. Sign in and then wait in your car. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you gotta do what you gotta do, you know, especially for those people you know, that have, you know, pretty serious problems or really can't afford to, you know, get sick. You know, you got to do what you got to do. I love it. Um, I also love that plug for the facilities and things that sort. I'm always one to, you know, greet those that are cleaning up because you never know when you need a trash bag or a box of tissues and things that sort. Um, Now their positions are more, um, what's the word? I am essential, you know, because they're helping to keep things clean, keep things sanitized to help us to be able to do what it is that we're doing. Um, Even in the stores, you know, wherever you're going, there's somebody that's checking and somebody that's cleaning up the carts. I say, thank you so much. It's not Uh probably something they wanted to be doing, wiping down carts, but I appreciate it because it's their efforts of trying to make sure that things are safe for us. Absolutely. Shout out to all of those that do cleaning work, whether in a school, hospital, bank, uh, the church, wherever you at. I saw the funeral and um, as they were passing, Mike, somebody would get up there like this. Yeah. <laughs> I said, yo, y'all need to get that boy raised. He up there exactly. and get together. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> because so many people are transitioning things that sort. So again, definitely thank you to all of those. So um, I, I joked with you uh, before we started about Tyler Perry. I like Tyler Perry. Um, because he does some plays and productions where he's joking about something, but also educating us. And um, mm-hmm. it was a scene in the play was done in the dark. No. 
was done in the dark. I don't know what it's called. Maybe it is was done in the dark. Nevertheless, that's not, that's not right. familiar like a Tyler Perry title. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, Trey. I like Mr. Perry. He might want to adopt me one day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but Mr. Brown is going to the um, emergency room actually because um, he's trying not to get on a plane to go on a trip. But what happens is, as he's seeing a doctor, um, they're talking to him about having his polyp shank checked and things of this sort. So he's thinking like the polyps is pulling uh, with the allergies and things or it's plaque with his teeth. Bless his heart. And I know and then he wasn't um, he's opening up his mouth to get his colon checked not realizing it's the other end. It was a whole bunch going on. Mr. Brown is a whole fool. Um, right. But then it was a piece on my blood sugar with like too much sugar and Kool-Aid and things of that sort. What are um, again I like it because they joked about it but the importance of right. it. But what are some things with our colon that you know what would cause us to need our colon to get checked? And is that for males uh, only or is that females and males? Males and females. Um, you know, I would say, well, a couple of things, right? So like um, definitely for colon cancer screening. And like I mentioned before, you know, the, the main age is usually around 50. But again, that that depends upon, you know, your family history, right? You know, unfortunately, you know, we had, um, you know, we had lost Chadwick uh, Boseman earlier this year to colon cancer. He wasn't even that old, right? right like, he really right. wasn't even, I don't know his family history, but he really wasn't even at the age to where they would have even started screening. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why family history is important because they will start checking a little earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, but then other reasons, I mean, to, to check your colon is, you know, if you're having, um, you know, any changes like in bowel habits or like, you know, it's like any blood or anything like that, like mm -hmm. um, those are all reasons, you know, to talk to your doctor and probably get a GI follow-up. And then they end up, you know, recommending like a colonoscopy, um, you know, just to check and make sure that nothing else serious is going on. So um, a variety of different reasons. What's the GI? Uh, so that's basically, um, so as I mentioned, so that's someone that trained in internal medicine, does some additional training and um, diseases that affect like the gastrointestinal tract. So that's like dealing with like your esophagus and like your stomach and your colon and they can they a lot of times they'll do procedures like an endoscopy so that's like when they take like a camera and mm -hmm. they basically go down to your esophagus um just to make sure like there's no like acid reflux there's yeah. no inflammation in your stomach or things like that and a colonoscopy is pretty much the exact opposite they just take the camera and then they just go from below uh but that's a lot of what they um that's a lot of what they do in the office Oh, I, I saw um, somebody sent me, I think it was a TikTok or something, where someone was getting their, um, they were having a swallow test done. So you see like yeah. images of them chewing and going down. And somebody right. said, I see where stuff gets stuck at all the time. I don't know if that happens, um, but it's <laughs> to see, but it's good that somebody can check to know what is going on, what exactly. the blockage and things is. Um, a friend also had a colonoscopy done recently and I went to go pick him up. And when um, I was picking him up, he had like the images and things. I said, that's a bit too much. I didn't want to see that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's also good to see that you get to see what they saw and then you can ask any questions related on it. I mean, I've had like x-rays done before. So like they give you a disc, like, hey, you <laughs> probably I got a CD. Probably right. not one that everybody wants to buy, but it lets me know what is going on with myself. So that's good. Um, and then with the blood sugar, what are some, um, identifiers maybe that can let us know that maybe we should get that checked out because that's yeah, so, the diabetes is that on an yeah, so, right exactly so diabetes um which is basically when your sugar levels are high and your body for whatever reason because like our bodies make insulin that's the medication that like decreases the amount of sugar in our body 
And um, depending on the type you had, basically there's something that's wrong that doesn't allow your sugar to lower as it should. Your sugar can get high. Okay. And a lot of people, their presenting symptoms will be they noticing that like they're more tired, they um, are more thirsty than usual. They're um, they're urinating a lot more. Um, that's because like they're peeing all the sugar out of their body. Um, and so that's definitely you know a red flag to to go to your primary care doctor or if you're really really sick to go to the emergency department uh, to get your sugar levels checked. And usually as you get older, um, especially if you have a family uh, a history of it, you know your doctor may check your sugar. Usually. Uh, what they may end up doing is they may have you like fast for like a day um, and then check your sugar. Um, and then there's also some blood tests that they can also uh, uh, check as well. Okay. Yeah. So a couple questions to find out sure. when I should see a doctor about. Should I see a doctor about heartburn? I think, yeah, if you, if you are having any type of concerns at all, um, especially if you're having like um, any type of like pain in your chest, like I, I think that's certainly appropriate to see your primary care doctor. If you're, really concerned, especially, especially with pain in your chest. Cause I mean, that could be a whole bunch of like potentially dangerous things. Mm -hmm. I, I think going to the emergency department is totally appropriate for that as well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And again, knowing like, um, so like if you have, for me, if I have tomato, something with like that kind of right. yeah. too late, um, yeah. or I have it and whatever reason it just sneaks up on me some days, it just really gets me. Um, again, I do my little home remedies. I'm not gonna hold you some pickle juice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some apple cider vinegar because it knocks it out. Yeah. You don't have to take a pill right. per se, but that'll help with that acid and things that sort. But knowing yeah. that um, if it's happening over extended amount of time, then definitely that's something of alarm. Because if it just happened at one time, grapes gave me heartburn one time. I said, this is disrespectful. <laughs> so really identifying what it is that you ate that could have caused that thing to be off balance. Um, but hopefully not. So because does this happen where like it happened one time and they come to the emergency room and then it's not really much you can do? How does that work? Yeah, literally like a lot of the time I'll say that like um, that people will come in with either like some type of mild condition or or something that we just, you know, we rule out a lot of dangerous. That's what our job is really to rule out the dangerous, life threatening things. Right. As long as we don't always get to the answer. So I always phrase it as say, you know what, uh, I'm glad you came in. Um, you know, I definitely appreciate this. Something concerning. Here's what we did for you today. We ruled out that you didn't have a heart attack. We ruled out you didn't have this. We ruled out you didn't have that. Um, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. You know what the cause of it is, but I don't think it's anything dangerous. You know, I would like you to follow with your primary care doctor. Um, but if for whatever reason you start to feel worse or you feel even more concerned, then feel free to come back. So I'm writing this down. If I go to the doctor and they say, so I'm glad you came in. I'm like, y'all trying to kick me out. I'm really dying. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, the, end of the, the end of the movie is coming. It's like the dun, 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 dun. Right. it's about to be over. It's like, but wait, no, no, no. Wait a minute. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Right, because I, I think we, you know, as just we also want to be sensitive, because like you know, people come to the ER, you know, all the time because they're scared, right? Because right, they're concerned right. about something, and I feel like you know we need to, you know, uh, you know, respect that and make, you know, not make people feel bad for coming to the ER. Like I'd rather you come and we make sure it's nothing as opposed to you just sit at home and just die. <laughs> like you know, like no one wants to see that. So right, because everybody don't have those little things. So I'm. I'm 21 plus some, but then you say the little things where you say, help, I fall in and I can't get up and then somebody can come oh, out yeah. to you. Everybody doesn't yeah. have that. So then sometimes right. you're just there. So it's best right. to go when you can go. Exactly. Um, exactly. Um, so with like um, a sore throat or fever, back pain, joint pain, um, 
should it be excruciating pain for me to definitely say I need to go? Uh, or should I wait it out a little while before I do go? What are your thoughts on that? You know, you know, it's funny. It's it's hard because, like, you know, even looking at this again, I'm I'm thinking very much. You're like, all of these things potentially could be something concerning, okay. you know. Um, but you know, that being said, I feel like you know, you also kind of have to, you know, use your gut. Like, you know, you know your body best. You know your mm -hmm. body better than you know anyone. And I feel like you can kind of tell when like something is something I've dealt with for years, or right. is it like something feels a little different to me. Right, right. And then I would say, you know, if that's the case, then either, you know, if you can make it to your primary care doctor and they can see you quickly, great. But if it's something you can and you feel like you can't really hold on, then come to the ER and let's just take a look at you, right. you know? And, or, and that's what yeah. I'm doing. I'm just hoping to be here because yeah. these are the things yeah. that we should possibly go to the doctor, you know, see right. about. Instead, we'll be like, no, it'll be all right. And then we can't get up or we can't call somebody right. to get us or whatever else is going on where we can't get there. So, like, if it's something of concern, whatever yeah. it is, go on and see that doctor. Exactly. And see your options because they help you pay for it. Maybe. Yeah, oh. yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> okay, so we have a question. Dr. Cindy, yeah. she said, how can you spot an underactive thyroid? Are there ways to treat it holistically? Holistically? Holistically. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, gotcha. So, um, so how can you spot an underactive thyroid? So let me see if I remember the question. Okay. So for people that have like low thyroid, like hormones, that means like their thyroid is not producing like enough hormone. So you can have like a bunch of different symptoms, like dry skin, some like constipation. Um, and the main things I would say is how you actually diagnose it is number one, again, with your primary care doctor ordering some blood work to test your, um, your thyroid levels. Mm -hmm. And um, depending on what that shows, uh, they may recommend, you may get like an ultrasound or some type of imaging of your thyroid um, as well. And then in terms of, are there any ways to like treat it holistically? Well, it, it depends on exactly like what it is. Cause there's like a bunch of different, like different thyroid disorders. So it, it would kind of depend upon like what it actually is and what, you know, the recommended treatment would be. But I think in that case, you know, with anything, I feel like you should always feel free to discuss, especially if you have an idea of like something that you want to try, then asking your provider and say, hey, you know, I know you're diagnosing with this. Do you think this would make a difference? Like what evidence have you read about it? Like what have you heard about it? So I think you can always come with those type of questions. And what does the thyroid do? Um, so the thyroid basically produces uh, what we call... Um, well, it's basically produces like thyroid type like hormones and that mm -hmm. affects a bunch of different things um, throughout your body. Okay. Um, so that's basically what the thyroid does. Um, the specialists that deal with that mostly are like an endocrinologist. Mm -hmm. So those are the people that deal with like a lot of like hormone type issues, mm -hmm. um, including like diabetes. Um, so if you ever did have an issue with your thyroid, I think going to an endocrinologist is probably the best place that you're gonna get the most information. Okay, we have another question. Mm -hmm. What exactly does an EKG do and what results do you look for when performing an EKG on a patient? Good question. This is probably one of the most basic tests that we do in the emergency department. If you come up with chest pain, this is the first thing that you're gonna get. Okay. And so EKG, um, for those that may not have heard of it or or have never actually experienced this. So it's basically called, the, the term is called an electrocardiogram, right? Mm -hmm. And so our heart uses a bunch of like electrical impulses to, to pump. And basically with an EKG is they put these little stickers on your body 
and there's a machine. It doesn't hurt or anything like that. But yeah. the machine basically uh, produces a printout of what your heart is actually doing at this time. Mm -hmm. And what we're looking for as emergency room physicians and even any, any physician is we are looking for first, is there any type of like damage or any type of injury to your heart? So that's what we're mainly looking for on the EKG. And then we're also looking for um, certain signs to suggest that there, there may be something going on with like your, um, with your heart, or if you have some type of genetic issue that may be going on with your heart, right? So we get these in people that come with chest pain, anyone that passes out at all, we look to make sure they don't have like any type of like abnormal rhythm, that their heart is like doing some type of weird beating, that mm -hmm. that's what caused them to pass out. But those are kind of the those are kind of the main reasons that we get an EKG. But usually one of the most basic tests and usually one of the first tests we get on a lot of people that come in. Awesome. I can't wait to watch last week's episode of Grey's Anatomy because I feel like I have just upped my game a little bit. Oh, did you miss it? Uh, I did, but I hear that oh, um, Meredith came out of her coma. I got a question about this she before did. I go into yeah. that question. So yeah. when you're in a coma, can you hear things that's going on? Yeah, I have heard that. You know, I have heard that like, because um, we, we, we deal with like a lot of patients in the ICU that are like um, on a ventilator. Like we encourage the family members to like, um, sit down with them and talk with them uh, because at least to my knowledge, I believe that they may be able to, um, you know, hear, uh, you know, what you're saying. So. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Watch out, Grayson Anatomy. I'm never going to be watching <laughs> with a different eye. Now the question said, are there heart conditions that come up that is not shown on an EKG? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, EKG is really just, you know, one kind of snapshot of like what your heart is doing. And, you know, we can't identify like every single like heart condition, mm -hmm. but you know, there are a bunch of other tests that can be done. Um, you know, we'll, we may end up doing like an ultrasound or what's called the echo of the heart. And that's where we are actually able to look in real time and see how your heart is actually performing. And for a lot of people that are dealing with, um, you know, chest pain or they're concerning for like a heart attack, mm -hmm. we may do what's called like a stress test. So maybe you've seen that in the movies, like when people's like on a treadmill mm -hmm. and they like hooked up to a bunch of wires and like they're looking at their heart. That's another test. That's another thing we could do to, you know, see if they have any type of like um, uh, issues with their heart. Okay. Oh, they answer with professional now. Can diverticulitis, oh, look at me, be life threatening? Gotcha. So let me explain what diverticulitis is first. Um, so uh, diverticulitis, right? So it's a uh, disease that affects your um, that affects your uh, your colon or your like, large bowel, um, and basically it comes from what we call diverticula, and diverticula is basically there's like this area of weakness in the actual bowel wall, and it forms a kind of a little bit of pouch a pouch. Now. People, people have it, and as long as it doesn't get infected or anything, then it's it's fine. Mm -hmm. But when it gets infected, that's when you it's called diverticulitis. Mm -hmm. Um, and basically that's an area of like infection, inflammation, and it really depends upon the severity. I mean, there are some um there are some cases where they're very mild and they can just be treated with antibiotics at home. Mm -hmm. There are other cases where um they have to come to the hospital and we have to treat them with IV antibiotics. And then there are other cases when it can lead to like other complications as well. Uh -huh. And then that's when you're talking about potentially like getting your surgeons and stuff involved. So it really depends upon the series. So can diverticulitis be threatened, be life threatening? It can be. There uh -huh. are certain, there are definitely cases where it can result in a lot of different complications. But you know, 
I'd say probably for the most part, it can be managed with um, either oral or um, IV antibiotics. Got it. Um, question, what was maybe your top three best cases so far? Ooh. One to one three. Oh man, one to three. Uh, let me see. I guess I'll just go by. I'm trying to think of like um, what each case kind of meant. Mm -hmm. I'll probably go with probably the case that like I was, I guess, kind of blown away from, and it was just a good message about how to stay safe, especially in the streets of New York City. Mm -hmm. um, is I had a patient who lost her arm on uh, getting it basically taken off by the subway. I shouldn't ask this question. <laughs> <laughs> you went like a thousand. I thought we was going to stay in yeah. the fifties. <laughs> right. Ahead, ahead. right. Yeah. Yeah. No. And the reason that case just sticks by me because that was just like probably one of the more gruesome injuries that I had, I had seen. And, you know, it, for me, it was a message that like, to not stay anywhere near the edge of the subway. Absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> because unfortunately in New York City and you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know other, you know, especially urban areas as well, is that like we've run into so many people like pushing people onto the subway tracks. Uh, we dealt with a lot of subway injuries, but that was probably one of the more gruesome injuries that I saw. So that always kind of sticks with me. Um, another was your case- Was able to yeah. be replaced like, or? No, okay. no it wasn't. Yeah, it's been gone too long, yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Another another case that sticks by me just because I, I thought it was a nice ending was so I was doing my ICU rotation. There was a guy, I'm not exactly sure what happened or what led him to, but he had basically he had jumped off a bridge. Now I'm not sure if someone pushed him or what, but um, but he was in like rough shape and you know, we didn't really know which way it was gonna go. But over time he began to gradually get better, and you know, it was like maybe six or seven months later i was working in the pediatric er and like i didn't even recognize he happened to be walking by and he was like hey you were the doctor that like took care of me and i was just like who are you he's like yeah i remember me like i was in the icu and i was like oh my god you're like walking and stuff and he's like yeah you know he's like, i got a little hearing issues but other than that i'm good <laughs> so so that that always kind of stuck on me i always think it's nice to hear you know a, a nice story mm -hmm. um let me think of a third one, huh? Third one. I'm trying to think of maybe if there's like a kid one or like, huh? I'm trying to think even my, hmm. Ah, maybe I'll go with maybe I'll go with my first like COVID patient. Maybe I'll go with that, uh, which was um, an elderly lady. I think she was like in her 70s. Um, and for me, because I came back to the ER. So I was actually, conveniently enough, I was on vacation when COVID hit. <laughs> so I didn't have to work. You know what's off. coming and didn't tell nobody. <laughs> yeah, so I, I didn't have to work the first like month, which was great. Uh, so by the time I came back, we were kind of like, we at least had an idea of like, how to at least keep ourselves safe and stuff like that. But like, mm -hmm. I had so much anxiety, like coming into the ED, just not knowing what to expect. And I just remember like this elderly lady who came in, uh, thankfully it seemed like she had like a fairly like mild case, but it always just kind of sticks to me as like, you know, be seeing actually COVID for like the first mm -hmm. time and just mm -hmm. seeing how devastating this disease potentially is, potentially yeah. could be, and it is, so. Yeah. Yeah, probably those three. I thank you for um, that first one really took me out. Yeah. <laughs> the last <laughs> yeah, two. Too, 
I'm glad that was the first one. Um, but the last two, and even um, sharing that transparency of you know anxiety that doctors can have too, because you're doing everything you can do, but that doesn't mean that that person that's coming in um, is doing what they can do. Uh, we have people right. that are spitting on people or different ways that they're doing that's just not. And these are things that possibly very well may have happened prior to COVID of the treatment or of how people, you know, exchange um, fluids and things of that sort, if they're upset, how they're irate in the hospital and things of that sort. So again, kudos to you as well. Thank you. Cool. One more question we have. She said, what was one of your most gratifying moments working in a hospital? You may have shared it, but if you have another one. Ooh, that's a good question. One of the most gratifying moments. Um, I would probably say, um, I mean, there's a bunch, but I would probably say, um, excuse me, um, probably we had a young guy. It was, excuse me, I think it was my intern year. We had a young guy. I think he had also like jumped um, from a building and he came in um, and his heart wasn't beating at all. And there's a bunch of different procedures and stuff we had to do at that time. And I think it was gratifying because it was truly a team effort. So it was myself, it was a bunch of my other co-residents at the time, you know, some people from the trauma team, and we actually were able to bring him back, which is not common. It's, you know, it's very much not like TV. Like there are very, like there are very few times we can bring somebody back once their heart stops. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we were able to, and, you know, able actually to be able to send him to like a, a rehab facility to like, you know, um, be able to get him moving again, like there's nothing short of a miracle. So those, that moment just represents you know, one of the many I've had where I've been able to work with a lot of different, you know, uh, positions and, you know, be able to have a positive outcome. Mm. So good. Uh, good to hear. Um, being able to save lives and make that impact and being able to see somebody some months and days later saying, hey, I remember you, you know, and knowing <laughs> yeah. that you made the impact is like totally cool because, Sometimes you may never see these people again, and you're hoping that they right. are following the guidance that you've given them to live a successful life. Um, but you know, sometimes we're hard headed and we don't always listen. Um, but yeah. it's good to hear when you know we do listen. Um, another question: Crystal said, "Has COVID changed your perception of medicine?" <laughs> um, I guess to a, I guess to a certain extent, I guess of just the, the medical field and just you know all the people that just go into it, you know, I think it just really just showed how resilient all of us are, right? Cause like, mm -hmm. I never felt, you know, as much camaraderie as I did, you know, while I was taking care of all these like COVID patients, because like, you know, for a lot of us, um, you know, it's very isolating because, mm -hmm. you know, I couldn't see my, I couldn't see my parents. Um, my uh, uh, my wife, who was my fiance at the time, uh, didn't see her for uh, a couple of months. So the, the only human interaction I had was with my coworkers, right? Mm -hmm. And so it, it really just showed me that like, you know, we could all band together and really, you know, support each other mm -hmm. and, you know, come together to be able to help patients in their time of need. And, you know, I remember one of my attendings saying that like, you know, while this situation is terrible right now, you know, years from now, we're going to be able to look back and be able to tell like our children and grandchildren that like, you know, we were there uh -huh. during like the pandemic and like fighting uh -huh. on the front lines and like, you know, saving people. So I, I think it, it just kind of showed me that, um, you know, we're all in this together and to, and to, and to embrace the journey, you know, um, I think we all encounter a lot of different challenges and stuff. And, you know, even myself through, because I think people don't realize how long it actually takes to train. 
to become a physician and so many sacrifices and stuff like that. But I learned so much about, you know, myself and have had so many, you know, positive relationships with a lot of different people along the way that, you know, I'm, I'm just so grateful uh, to be able to, um, you know, be in the position I am to be able to do what I do. And, you know, if, if, I, if I can make someone's life or their day a little better, then I'm happy to do it. Very nice. Very nice. Um, it made me think that uh, COVID kind of gave hospitals an unintentional uh, team building exercise. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> together, come together. Um, yeah. You find out who everybody really was like, oh, you know, the habits that people have, but right. it also helped to bind you together as you work to help those of um, those that come in through the door. So, again, thank you so much for all of your service and all of your uh, co-workers and those of that sort, because it's very, very appreciated. Um, so what would you say are some things that you want us to walk away with today as it relates to what we've shared or something that's been on your heart that you feel like the community will benefit from knowing? Yeah, I would say probably the most important thing is to not be afraid to be an advocate for yourself and to take charge of your own health care. Like there's, as we discussed, there's a lot of different things that you can do, you know, for yourself, but there's also things that, you know, in terms of like just your own health, but there's also things you can do in terms of making sure you understand what's going on with your body. So my last message would be don't feel intimidated, you know, when talking to any type of like healthcare professional, you know, take the time beforehand, come prepared with all your questions and stuff and don't leave until your questions are answered. Very good, very good. And then I could call back if I have another question though, right? Oh, absolutely. Cool. <laughs> yeah. you know, Google and WebMD only gonna tell me what's so much. Right. Like, what's my uh, assigned barber, my assigned doctor? to make sure I'm getting what I need. So awesome. This was really, really great. Thank you so much, Dr. Charles. Um, what was that phrase or key phrase for today? It was embrace the journey. Yes, and why did you choose that? So I, I choose it, you know, again, cause like, um, you know, my journey has just been so long, but yet so rewarding through, you know, everything I've been through and like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything for the world, or even all the challenges and the pitfalls and stuff like that, because it just taught me so much about myself, told me about life and, you know, just helped me build bonds with a lot of good people, uh, you know, that I'm still really good friends with today. So embrace the journey. Awesome. Thank you so much. Sherry said WebMD will put you in a hospital. <laughs> it may, you, know, <laughs> you may go for one thing and find out you got something else going on. So again, exactly. if you, like you need to go, by all means, go to the hospital, let the expert check you out. And if you feel like you hear the violin music playing, you know, we thank you so much for coming in. Um, <laughs> this is what we ruled out. <laughs> you know yeah. that you're okay. But right. again, don't hesitate to go to the doctor. Please, please, please know that your health matters. You can't uh, do stuff for other people if you're not together, if your health is, health is not where it needs to be. And even if something is going on, at least getting the pieces together to manage whatever it is that's going on so that you can be the best version of you. Huh. Thank you again so much, Dr. Farmer. This no was problem. cool. Um, yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. You told us our phrase. You gave us our closing. Yeah. So again, be sure to follow Dr. Charles. Um, uh, again, I uh, was stalking a little bit on his page, so definitely want to have him and his wife back. As you heard, he said that they were engaged, but then got married during quarantine. So that's pretty interesting, too, because everybody's story probably, behind that. <laughs> I'm sure. You know, I'm going to have a to talk about that. We like talking about relationships here. Um, and giving wisdom and um, encouragement to others that are trying to explore that. Um, so definitely we'll uh, connect with you both, uh, figuring out what season, uh, series that'll be, which month of things that sort, but I'll be in touch. Thank you again so very, very much and have a great evening.
All right, take care. Thank you. Oh, that was great. We just had Dr. Charles Farmer, Your Health Matters. Oh, did y'all enjoy that, Chosen Friends? I know I did. So he told us a phrase because guess what we got coming up? A day of empowerment. And you know what? It's booked and I did a nice fire. So check it out. Get ready. Chosen Counselors presents a day of empowerment. Join us on Saturday, May 15th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. virtually as we will inspire, motivate, empower, and strengthen all attendees. Topics include self-care, parenting, healing, singleness, business, dating, married life, burnout, and more. Special guests include Christian Mills, Todd Davis, Sherry Thompson, Marquise Coates, Tiffany Wilson, Bob Fleming, Sierra Brown, Maurice Williams, and Dr. Ulysses and Shanika Pratt. Planning to attend? Visit eventbrite.com, search Chosen Counselors, and select the link to purchase your tickets today. So join us on Saturday, May 15th for a day of empowerment. Be sure to mark your calendars and tell a friend as this day of empowerment is brought to you by Chosen Counselors. It's going to be good. And as shared, I have a ticket to give away. So you remember what our keyword, our key phrase was. Be sure to put in the comments so that you can come. Ah, don't forget our quote of the day. Take care of your body. It's the only place you have to live by Jim Ron. Ah, take care of your body, people. Okay, so next week, join us as we will have dun, 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 Dr. Nadira Coles talking about the C word, COVID-19. Ah, it's going to be good. Um, So if you do know what the code word is, I'll come back and check it out. I don't see it right now, but if you put it in, I got a ticket for you. Thank you again so much for tuning in. Special thanks to Dr. Farmer. That was great. Share this with somebody that needs to hear some of the nuggets that were shared tonight. Thank you all again so much for your support, uh, for tuning in, watching, sharing, liking, all that good jazz, and even comment below, helping me to ask some questions to my experts, okay? I love you all for real. Until next time. Thanks for joining Jen Cares powered by Chosen Podcast this week. Make sure to visit our website at chosencounselors.com.
That's chosen with a Z. To follow us, stay in the know, and most of all, never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode as we specialize in bringing the community to you.